Good afternoon. Welcome to a Thursday afternoon edition, one week post Thanksgiving. Glad to have you along. This is Bill Allen. Welcome again. Glad that you are joining in with these studies. I wasn't with you last week as we were having some downtime in Branson, Missouri, and I heard uh, years ago when we went to Branson and we talked to somebody, they said, it's not Branson, it's Branson. <laughs> okay, so we were in Branson, Missouri last uh, week, and we're glad to have some time away. Appreciate everyone kind of covering for me. Appreciate you taking a rest from our studies last Thursday. Hopefully you were able to enjoy some some wonderful family time or with close friends, faith, family, food, uh, all of those things are very important at Thanksgiving to remember and to take part in. And, and so we were doing our part as well, but glad to have you back with me today. Hopefully uh, we will be able to talk about something that I think is, is very, very significant and it has to do with um, the cross of Christ. Uh, and talking about consequences as we consider uh, Oswald Chambers' book, My Utmost for His Highest. He has a few uh, sessions in the past week or so that come from a verse in Galatians chapter 6, 14. Chapter 6, verse 14 of Galatians says this, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Well, he has three days of thoughts on that, and what I would like to do is share some of those thoughts as well, but also share a few other scriptures along the way, because uh, there are four or five times in Galatians where the cross of Christ really is very clearly alluded to or spoken about. And the first of those is in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and we sing the song, and so you really don't have to turn to it. But it is, I am crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. Yet it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When we speak about consequences of the cross, that's the verse that comes to my mind. Because Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Is that true in your life? Well, it should be. It should be that that's the perspective that you use and that's how you look at things, realizing that your life is one that should be Christ living in you and sharing his message of love and his word through you. And, uh, and so Galatians 2.20, I think, is a great place to start there. Another great verse to think about is chapter 5, verse 11. Chapter 5, verse 11 says, Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And so one of the things about the cross of Christ, and that get, goes back to that verse in chapter 6, verse 14, as he says, I don't boast in anything except the cross. Uh, but it also alludes to the rest of it. In the cross of Christ, uh, Jesus, of course, was crucified as a criminal. And, uh, and so there's some thoughts that uh, Chambers has here that I think are right on the money. Um, he says, the Apostle Paul had a strong and steady underlying consistency in his life. Consequently, he could let his external life change without internal distress because he was rooted and grounded in God and specifically in the cross, in Jesus Christ. 
Uh, Paul lived uh, a life that others would look at and say, that's a very sad, pathetic, uh, difficult existence. But for Paul, it was a glorious way to demonstrate the cross of Christ and the act of Jesus saving the world. It was that sacrifice that allowed us to be uh, saved from our sins. So we go back to the foundation of the cross, and that's why Paul would say in other places, to the Corinthians, for example, he would say, we preach Christ and him crucified. That is the message. And if that's not the message, then there's going to be some difficulties. Chambers says, in secular history, the cross is an infinitesimally small thing. How about that word? But from the biblical perspective, it is of more importance than all the empires of the world. You see, had Jesus not been raised from the dead, we would have never heard about him being crucified as the Son of God. Why? Because they had so very many people who faced death by crucifixion, impaled on a pole or nailed to a cross. It was the common thing. That was the way they administered the death penalty, and the Romans were not shy at all about doing that. Even before the Romans, we see that in the days of the Assyrians, centuries before uh, Christ, in the days of the Babylonians. These were cruel cultures. We even see it, unfortunately, in some today, some of the tragic things that have been going on uh, in the Middle East because of the, the, um, the Palestinian terrorists and the Islamic uh, terrorists. They are... Uh, it, it's just been so horrible, and we've, we feel that that's such a barbaric culture. And certainly, death by crucifixion is a barbaric way to be killed. But that's the way that Jesus demonstrated his love for us and the price of our sins to be paid. And so we get that. But remember, in secular history, the cross is not a big thing. It's just a little blip on the map of of human history uh, and sociology throughout the history of the world. But it's the resurrection, it's the empty tomb that makes that different. And the cross should be the focal point of our spiritual power. If it's not the cross of Christ, what is it? Well, if it's not the cross of Christ, then it is our own abilities and our own thinking and our own desire to do things the way Anybody in the world would do them outside of Christ. And there's a lot that we can gain from that. I'm using a book right now, um, The Seven Habits of Effective Living by Stephen Covey. I've been using that for a sermon series over the last several weeks, finishing out this Sunday. That's okay. But if it's not based in the cross, and it's just another self-help book theme. It's just another self-help message. You can get it from dozens and dozens and dozens, literally thousands and thousands of authors and speakers. What's different is the cross of Christ. And I hear Paul's words ringing through my ears, we preach Christ and him crucified. Uh, to the Greeks, it's foolishness. To, to, the, to the Jews, it's scandalous, Paul says to the Corinthians. Because the Greeks, they, they, could, they couldn't understand why that would be someone that you would take pride in and that you would find power in. To the Jews, their law, the Old Testament, says that cursed is everyone who dies on a tree, who is basically crucified or impaled. And so Christ became that curse for us. And again, that's the power and the effect of the cross. And that should be where our 
power is. We preach Christ and him crucified. Um, we share uh, other things as well, but that is the heart and the central part of our message. And if it's not, then it's not the gospel we're preaching. Paul to the Galatian Christians in chapter one, he says, I can't believe you've moved away from the gospel of Christ to something that's not a gospel at all. It's not the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That is what the gospel is, as he defines it, as scripture defines gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, the first few verses, that's what it says the gospel is, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and the appearances of Christ that attest to the veracity of that claim. Um, Chambers writes, the feebleness of the church is being criticized today, and the criticism is justified, and here's why, he says. One reason for the feebleness of the church is that there has not been this focus on the true center of spiritual power. We have not dwelt enough on the tragedy of Calvary or on the meaning of redemption. And he's talking about the cross there. Uh, Calvary is the Latin word for Golgotha, the place of the skull. It's the place where Jesus was crucified. And, and we understand that. Well, let's continue reading on through Galatians and through uh, some of Paul's comments here about the cross. We looked at chapter 5, verse 11. Uh, now look at chapter 5, verse 24. Paul says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So now we're not just talking about what we preach or what the gospel is, but we're talking about how we live. Again, Paul saying in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live, Christ lives in me. And so just like Paul tells the Romans in chapter 12, verse one, he says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, the Phillips translation of that. Uh, don't conform to the patterns of this world and the actions of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, that's the way, the way Paul puts it here in Galatians 5 is this in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. And so that gets us nearly to chapter 6, verse 14, and we'll get back to that verse. But here's verse 12. Those who want to impress people, Galatians 6, verse 12, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised to keep the law of Moses. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Again, what are the consequences of the cross? Well, for New Testament Christians who came from a Jewish background, the consequences were very heavy. That's why the Jews fought so hard to destroy Christianity. Again, because dying on a cross was a scandal and a curse to the Jews. And now the long-awaited Messiah, being the one to have been condemned and crucified by, at the hands of the pagan Romans led by the Jewish leaders, that can't be right. That's a scandal. And that's why Saul of Tarsus, who would one day become Paul the Apostle, fought so hard against it. And that's what Paul affirms here. He says, hey, look, if you go back to the law and you say you're going to just keep the law of Moses, then the scandal of the cross is gone. Because the scandal of the cross is simply this. It's only in the gospel. It's only by faith that we can be saved and forgiven. Only by the blood of Jesus shed, guess where? On the cross. And so that gets us back to this verse, chapter 6, uh, verse 14. 
And uh, we'll begin to close here in just a second as we read this verse once again. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If I dwell on the cross, uh, Chambers writes, I don't simply become inwardly devout and solely interested in my own holiness. I become strongly focused on the interests of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was, didn't separate himself from the world in which he was born into, the world he came voluntarily into, nor should we. We do acknowledge that we have been crucified to the world and the world to us, but that doesn't mean that we have uh, taken ourselves out of the world. It doesn't mean that we no longer care about our world. It certainly does. But it is, again, not conforming to the values of this world. And that's what Paul tells us uh, to do here. And that's affirming the words of Christ in his prayer in John 17. Before he died, he said to the Father, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. In fact, Jesus says, just like you sent me into the world, Father, I am sending them. And so as, as we hear these words, uh, the, through the cross of Christ, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We should never mistake that for not caring about the world, for trying to leave the world. We understand that. Paul himself even said in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live continues the work of ministry to this world in the name of Jesus Christ. But to die, to be taken out of this world, would be gain because we would be with the Lord, as he puts it in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, we are called upon to give ourselves, to be in the world, but not of the world, as we say. And that was certainly the basis of Jesus' prayer in that part of John 17. Uh, we're separated internally, though not externally, Chambers says. And I think that's true. Internally, we've changed. Inside, we are now devoted to the crucified one, but also to the resurrected one, and now to the ascended one who is at the right hand of the Father. We're committed to him um, internally. Externally, we're still in the world. And so we strive to live the way Paul told us to live in giving this example that we are crucified with Christ. Uh, it is no longer we that live, but it's Christ living in us. And the life that we live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. I hope and pray that as you go through this wonderful Christmas season in the weeks ahead, that you remember that that one who was so gloriously celebrated as a baby, and rightly so, rightly so, I'm right there with him, uh, remember that one grew up to be a teacher of truth about God's will and God's word, and it got him crucified. But it is in that crucifixion, in that death, in that blood that was shed for us, that we find our hope and our salvation. I look forward to being with you again uh, uh, on Thursday as we discuss a little bit more from the Psalms. God bless.